You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by B Pro Kennels, Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Anookshook Professional Dog Food. And on today's episode, I sit down with Ashley Smith and get to know her and her story a little bit more, uh, hear about her dog Cash and some of the ups and downs that they have been through over the years in the uplands. Guys, B Pro Kennels is making the best dog box on the market today. It is fully customizable. Um, It is just built well, and it's built here in the USA. Uh, Give Ben Proctor a holler over at B Pro Kennels uh, and design your custom dog box today or grab one of their um, staple three-hole or two-hole boxes today. BProKennels.com. Use promo code ROOKIE10 saves 10% off your order at bprokennels.com. And if you are not using Onyx Hunt already, let me tell you, you need to start. Onyx Hunt is the most comprehensive public and private land ownership data ever. You will not find anything comparable to Onyx Hunt. Many tools and layers like crop types, tree species, maps, waypoints, and so much more. Just released a CarPlay feature, so now you can Apple CarPlay your Onyx map in your hunting rig. It does not get cooler than that. Check out onyxhunt.com. Be sure to check out Anook Shook Professional Dog Food, the only sporting dog, high-performance dog food I'm feeding my string of dogs. have been using this for several years, and Anook Shook has delivered and lived up to and surpassed all the hype you've been hearing about online, through friends, kennels, breeders, all that, and it has just been a high-quality premium food. Uh, I've been able to cut back several cups of food for my dogs, still keeping weight on them during season, during trialing, whatever it might be. These dogs are in best shape they've been in personally in a long, long time. And thanks to Anook Shook Professional Dog Food, they have four incredible formulas. Check them out at anookshookpro.com. Final Rise is making the most premium, high-quality upland gear you will find on the market guys i've been using the summit vest and now the sidekick vest for several years Um, it is a staple it is a staple for my training routines and trialing season to every single hunt i am on Um, i'm rocking the summit vest Um, they have a whole line of a a new uh, early season lightweight hoodie they have a brand new upland pant brand new summit xt vest guys they are rocking and rolling with some incredible gear check them out at uh, finalrise.com also guys we have the giveaway with final rise um, live so go to patreon get signed up for uh, the giveaway of a brand new summit xt vest and a pair of the field gloves from final rise so get signed up on patreon today what's going on everyone welcome back to the upland rookie podcast i'm your host will larson and it is so good it's so good to be back with you guys today for another episode uh, i took a week off with uh the, with the release of the uh the three-part george hickox series um it was a lot of content it was a lot of episode <laughs> so let that uh kind of go for a week and then we're gonna be back with you this week for episode 80 i know it's crazy 80 seems crazy that we're that far <laughs> that we've made it that far into this podcast so thank you guys for following along thanks for uh, your support and uh, sharing the show and engaging with it honestly um, you know listener questions and your engagement um, 
through the podcast and through social media, um, through the, the channel of the Upland Rookie. Uh, over on Instagram has been so much fun to uh, get to um, just interact with each of you and kind of navigate my way through the uplands and get to do it alongside you guys. So thank you so much for uh, doing that with me. Um, had a really fun episode for you guys today. We've got Ashley Smith on the podcast. Um, so we'll get into that conversation here in just a second. We'll go over a couple things and uh, then we'll dive right in. I did want to mention we've got uh, just a couple more days. Just a couple more days on the Final Rise Spring Gear Giveaway. Uh, spring Gear Giveaway. You might ask, what is a Spring Gear Giveaway, Will? Well, let me tell you what a Spring Gear Giveaway from Final Rise is. You, okay, it could be you. I'm not saying it's going to be you. One of you who was entered into the giveaway is going to walk away with the brand new, newly designed, refreshed Summit XT vest from Final Rise. Guys, the, oh gosh, I'm so excited about this vest. I am so stinking excited um, because I know what the Summit vest is. I've had it since the beginning. I love it. I've put it through the ringer. I trial in it. I hunt in it. I train in it. Um, I really, really enjoy it. And it's quality gear. I know Matt. I know what the, the products he puts out. So then when he dropped a bombshell on everyone at Pheasant Fest and said, hey, I've made the Summit XT vest. We've made some really, really nice updates to this vest. Um, I'm so stoked for this. And so really thankful. We're going to give away a brand new Summit XT vest to one of our listeners of the podcast, as well as a pair of the field gloves. Uh, the field gloves have been, again, uh, I've had them for a year and just been a really quality glove uh, for upland hunting. Uh, again, I train with it. It's been a really, really nice piece of gear. Um, and or if you already have a, a, the field glove, if you don't want the field glove, we'll let you swap that out for an accessory. So you kind of get an option with that second item. So you can either get the field glove, pick that up for free, or you can swap it out for a vest accessory. So uh, I'm going to throw in a hat as well. Um, so just a couple more days to get entered into the giveaway. Um, you got to go to patreon.com slash the Upland Rookie podcast and become a supporter over there. Uh, three different tier options, five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, or 20 bucks a month. Depends on how bad you want this giveaway. <laughs> if you want to go, go all in great. Knock yourself out. Uh, go for the top tier. If you want to get your name in a hat uh, a couple times, go for the lower middle, whatever it might be. I don't care what you do. Thank you though, for the support, uh, all the Patreon supporters, um, Everything goes back to the podcast, helping support the show. So thank you. If you want to sign up for the giveaway and continue being a supporter, that would mean so much to me um, for you to continue to be a Patreon supporter. Nice little perk of it is, is you're entered into awesome giveaways like this. So um, enough on that. Get signed up. A couple more days left in the giveaway. Um, get your chance at a brand new Summit XT vest from Final Rise. It was super fun. Uh, the other day I put out a poll on Instagram, uh, kind of asking you guys what you want to hear more of on the opening segment of the show. Um, think kind of five to 10 minute, uh, just little blurbs of, you know, what do you want to hear more of from me? My thoughts on, call it whatever, Will's hot takes, five minutes of BS, whatever it might be. Um, so I got some really, really good responses. So over the next uh, several months, I'll kind of start unpacking some of these more um, in these opening segments. I mean, for the past, 
for the past 80 episodes, really, um, I, I've kind of taken a little chunk of each episode and kind of unpacked something. Uh, and that was either spurred on from something I've learned or something that kind of hit, hit me and thought, hey, you know, let me just kind of share this with everyone. Um, some have been spurred on by um, by listeners, by you uh, saying, hey, like, you know, what, what's your thoughts on blank, you <laughs> know, whatever, whatever that might be. So uh, it's been kind of a tradition, but it was really fun to kind of reach out to you guys again and see, you know, what are some of the things you want to hear more of uh, in this little opening segment. And I will preface again, I think it's worth saying, um, you know, I, I'm not an expert guys. I'm not an expert in um, really anything. And so these are just from my, my point of view, things that I have personally learned or seen, um, you know, you or, or someone else listening may have um, a much better take or um, philosophy on that. And that's, that's awesome. That's what makes, uh, I don't know, everything upland honey, whatever it might be unique and special is um, there's going to be different takes and, and opinions on things. So all these things, all that to say, these will just be kind of fun things that I can kind of share my perspective and view on um, as we go uh, through the opening segment of the episode. And if you hate it, guess what? You can always, always hit the 30 second skip button and, and skip right to the interview, get to the meat and potatoes of the episode. So, um, I will, I'm going to pick this up next week because my intro has already been a little bit long with the, uh, final rise giveaway announcement. Um, but thank you again for, uh, for sending in some of your thoughts and, uh, and it should be fun unpacking a couple of these over the next couple of weeks. I think next week I'll unpack a little bit more about Nastra. Uh, I'm actually running a Nastra trial this weekend coming up. So uh, that'll kind of be fresh in my mind, but, uh, several of you want to hear more, a little bit more about Nastra, what I do to prep my dogs, uh, for, tri- uh, for the trials. Um, so I think that'll be fun to, uh, to unpack a little bit more. So stay tuned for that. Um, All right. I think that's everything. Sorry, I had a list in front of me that I dropped it. And I think that was everything I had on my list for today. So we're going to jump right in to the episode with Ashley Smith. Well, Ashley, why don't you you kick us off and uh, put us on a map? Where are you? Where are you talking to us from? And can you give us a little uh, little overview of, of who you are? Yeah, um, so I am calling from um, just outside of Bismarck, North Dakota. And oh gosh, this question is so difficult. <laughs> I especially hate it in interviews, but <laughs> um, I mean, so I um, have been upland hunting for about five years now. Uh, Cash will be six in July. So, you know, just kind of started my journey with him. And, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people who start out with this kind of story where he really just changed the trajectory of my entire life. Um, you know, just picking up the upland hunting, um, our career is based off of working with each other. I do wildlife detection with him. Um, and so I feel like that's really what I've been focusing on the past couple of years. I feel like that's what (laughs) my, my identity is right now is, is really just revolving around those two things. That's I mean, that's, I mean, what a way to, you know, for your life to revolve around something. Those, those aren't bad things to, (laughs) for, to consume your time. (laughs) That is awesome. Um, I have a couple questions already on, on that. Um, we got it. What is wildlife detection? So uh, there's so many um, things, obviously, you know, like dogs can do bomb detection, drug detection, um, and there's kind of like a niche uh, 
career path where people are either using like their own dogs or uh, dogs that come from a program. And um, so wildlife detection is really just whatever your company needs you to do. And so the company that I was working for, they had us on projects working at wind farms. So we have a set course underneath the wind turbines and cash sniffs out birds and bats that get hit by those blades. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. So that's why we were in Nebraska this summer. Um, oops, there's my laundry. Uh, <laughs> um, that's why we were in Nebraska this summer is we were dispatched out to a field site and um, we spent pretty much the whole summer in the beginning of fall there. Uh, pretty brutal weather. You know, yeah. that's like hot, dry weather. So um, it was great. I enjoyed the heck out of it. I was there for their upland opener and I really enjoyed myself in Nebraska. So That's awesome. No, Nebraska is, a, I mean, yeah. beautiful, I mean, beautiful country. I mean, good, good upland bird hunting. Um, so with the, so with the bat problem, I'm really curious on this right now. <laughs> this is fascinating. <laughs> so the, so the project, you know, uh, the bats and birds under his wind turbines, like what was the, you're finding the bats and like, what's the greater overall mission is like with that project, I guess. Yeah. So what they're doing is they're just really getting a sense of the numbers that are being killed by these turbines. Okay. Um, so it's like a post-construction project. Once those wind farms are established, um, they bring in people like us um, to get an idea of, like I said, the numbers and they'll dispatch several teams. So this year it was me and two other girls uh, with their dogs okay. and that just gets kind of like compiled and reported. Um, you know, obviously they migrate out of the region uh, during certain seasons. Sure. So once it starts to get colder, you know, they are pretty much gone. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that's, just that's basically seeing the numbers. Yeah. That's crazy. It's so, so in, it's and you're taking cash cool. with you, right? You're taking your own dog with you or are these? Yeah. Okay. So, okay. I mean, and that's just, you're going around the turbines and he's literally trained to find the dead birds and bats and bring them back to you. So no, he doesn't actually, he won't retrieve them. Okay. So we wouldn't want him to have like his mouth on any type of okay. bats. Um, but I taught him an indicator that when he does find a bat, he lays down. Oh, wow. So it's usually right in front of his face. Sometimes it could be a couple feet away, but as soon as he sources where that scent is coming from, he lays down. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating. And I'm imagining, I, I mean, I've, I'm no bat ex expert. Um, they're probably pretty <laughs> small, right? In, in this, these larger fields. So it's probably pretty hard to find them without a dog, right? Yeah. So what's funny is they were actually doing human search trials. So they were sending people to visually spot these bats. And some of these bats can be, I mean, no bigger than a dollar coin sometimes, just as pe depending Jeez. on the species. Okay. Um, so yeah, they were sending out people to do visual searches and dogs were nearly 80 to 90% more effective oh, than humans. Wow. That's crazy. Wow, that that's pretty cool. That's a and so you're doing the same thing now in North Dakota, right? Same same thing, like project, just a so, different area, or 
so I came up here um, to do a like Birds of Prey. Uh, so it was out of season for bat migration. Um, so I came up here to do kind of like a Birds of Prey uh, project just to do some uh, visual searches. But this year I'll be working uh, with an ag company for uh, soil health work okay. and stuff like that. So I'm not doing that okay. this year. So it's, so it's shifting a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. And, and I know you told me a little earlier, it's, I mean, going from Nebraska, North Dakota, you, you were, you were kind of like, yeah, send me up there. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't aware of what I was getting myself into, <laughs> especially when the snow started flying. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. But, but you, I mean, if, I mean, if you're already up on hunting, that was probably a pretty uh, easy draw, right? Yeah, so just definitely going through the motions of the seasons, it, it was a lot, uh, <laughs> it was less painful because I, I was really out almost every day or every other day hunting, like after work, on my days off, I I was hunting That's at least 85 to 90% of the week. Dang. Yeah. Okay. I, I think myself and half our listeners are jealous <laughs> to hear and hearing that now. <laughs> that's incredible though that is incredible yeah. well very cool north dakota is not a bad spot absolutely i mean for for any upland, upland bird hunter or duck hunter for that matter so um, <laughs> it's gotta be gotta be pretty cool um hey real quick before we uh, we dive in i'm really uh, excited to kind of unpack your story a little bit more and hear more about your dog and, and kind of uh your upland journey um i whenever i have an opportunity to kind of poke at uh chris majette i have to um so you know you, you know chris majette correct <laughs> Oh, I know Chris. Yes. <laughs> All right, Chris, if you're listening, buddy, buckle up. <laughs> oh, I always like to tease him a little bit and drop him. But how do you, how do you know Chris? Um, so I th I feel like we had just connected on social media. Um, I know with his job, he had been traveling um just all over the place sure. and a couple times like he had been in Ohio and we would just talk about you know like uh, just some of the areas that I th I think we had crossed over especially in West Virginia um because I don't think that he's too far so I when I lived in Ohio I would actually go to West Virginia to gosh do all sorts of stuff camping uh, hiking hunting fly fishing and so it was just us kind of like talking about uh, like hunting and sure. um, he had come up to Ohio a couple of times. I actually met him out for um, dinner one time when he was pretty close and nice. we just had dinner and talked and. Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. He's a, yeah. he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He like he likes those little brown dogs of his and uh, he's. You know. I feel like he gives you enough crap, though, that we can do this. Oh, so. 100%, <laughs> Ashley, 100%. And, and him and his damn chicken nuggets and his terrible eating habits. My gosh, that guy, I'm surprised he's not 500 pounds by now with his eating habits. He, he keeps he keeps area McDonald's in business. Oh, my gosh. Jeez, I, I kind of want to just be a fly on the wall when he goes into McDonald's sometime and just... <laughs> See the see the order that he. Uh, I'll have uh, fifty chicken nuggets. Oh, you have a big party? No, just me and my dog. <laughs> oh, good times, good times. Well, Ashley, why don't you um can you unpack a little bit more of I guess your upbringing and you know what was what was that tipping point for you getting into upland hunting the outdoors like was that um I kind of always phrase this question like was it part of your family growing up or did that 
that developed later in life. Can you walk us through that? Yeah. So uh, the upland hunting portion, I never witnessed any of my family upland hunting growing up. Uh, Later on in life, I actually found out my grandpa at one point in time had an English setter and him and his um, buddy would actually go up um, past Cleveland and hunt rough grouse up there, which is just a mind blowing concept to me because, you know, rough grouse in the state of Ohio, it's just not something uh, that you would think about. I know that they're in the Southern portion, um, but anything <laughs> up where he just was telling me he had hunted. Now, pretty much yeah it's it's just not there which is kind of sad but um you know my grandpa my uncle my dad um all deer and turkey hunters and i was so much a tomboy um growing up i did do ballet hey there you go <laughs> <laughs> but uh i i was much more of the type of girl to be outside and digging at stuff and you know they would take us fishing and um you know i i was such a young girl in a huge room you know full of other older people taking my hunter safety course um and you know i passed that and so my dad i'm sure was over the moon (laughs) (laughs) it's like yes let's Um, go (laughs) and uh i remember him buying any siblings Grown up? No, okay. I'm I'm an only okay. child. Okay. Can you tell? <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. I'm terrible at detecting that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but I remember him buying my first 410, and vivid memory of us being in um, our family's house in uh, Central West Virginia and shooting it for the first time. And I pulled it away from my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Pulled it away from my shoulder and it came back oh, and no. hit me. And I remember and the tears welling up in oh, my eyes because it just scared sure. me. You know, it, it didn't hurt, but. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll never forget it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, just like I said, they were just all um, deer and turkey hunters. Um, but it wasn't really until high school when I met my best friend, Anne. And um, just developing a friendship with her and going over to her parents' house. Um, her dad had a kennel full of setters, short hairs, uh, client dogs of his that, you know, he would take on for training. And I just thought that was so cool, you know, that I was 15, you know, my first experience with bird dogs, uh, field trialing, any type of bird hunting. And, um, that's just where it all got started, you know, over the years. And, um, you know, her and I are still great friends to this day. I actually just talked to her yesterday and I was in her wedding, you know, her parents are, you know, like an extended family to me. So when I do go back to Ohio, I get to, you know, visit him, hang out at the kennel, see, you know, what new dogs he has (laughs) and, you know, dogs from the past so that's really where it all started was you know just my friendship developing with her so yeah i love that and so uh, for so from that you know was that really when you kind of started like upland hunting then like after you know meeting her 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 family and the the kind of dog aspect of that kind of then come into play for you uh no actually it it really wasn't until i got cash that i started upland hunting okay um 
I do remember going to their clubhouse, which is where they would hold, you know, like a lot of our Ohio NASTRA trials, um, helping plant birds, riding along with some judges and, you know, just basically being, being an observer. Um, and I just never felt like at that point in my life, especially like in my early twenties and even mid twenties, that I was ready to take on the responsibility Mm. of, of having a dog that required that extensive of training. And, you know, obviously I was a little intimidated, but it it really wasn't until I picked cash up that I had started all of this. So it was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Once the dog comes along, then it's like, okay, fast, you know, everything's on super speed. Um, all right. Well then walk me through that then. So like, so early mid twenties picking up cash then like, okay, what, what, was the tipping point for you to say, okay, it's ready to get my own bird dog. I'm going to do this thing. Like walk me through that process. What led you to start picking up the dog? Why the GSP kind of, let's go down that road. Um, so I had moved into a little house by myself and I, (laughs) I was newly single at the time. And I just thought, you know what? Like I, I'd really like to kind of like get back into hunting. Um, at that point in time, I didn't really feel like deer and turkey hunting were for me because I could not sit still. <laughs> it's a lot, it's a lot <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember going hunting with my dad a few times and being just so fidgety in the tree stand. And I just kept thinking like, oh my gosh, like I need to move. <laughs> I need to. And, and so like, you know, like I said, I had got on this website and we're looking at breed announcements And I just happened to see, you know, this pile of puppies of like beautifully grown uh, liver and black and white GSPs. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go out there. I'm just going to take a look. And I went and took a look. (laughs) Uh Oh, (laughs) and I came home with a dog. (laughs) Of course, it happens to the best of us. Yeah, so it was nearly impossible for me to resist. And what was funny is Cash was the only one left over in his litter. The guy had two litters on the ground at the time. And he was originally supposed to go to Texas. He was supposed to be a Texas quail dog. And um, uh, the guy ended up having um, a pretty bad health scare. So he backed out, um, you know, obviously deposit sent back. So I just i picked him he was kind of on out on his own he was a little bit more independent i think he was about 10 weeks at the time so he was older than you know you would think that your normal puppy age would be but you know like i said it i was into this new house and right down the road was uh ann's dad's place and he always welcomed me with open arms and just said anytime you get a dog, you're more than welcome to bring that dog out here. He offered his birds, his expertise, his training grounds. Um, so it was really nice to just have that initial start. I mean, that helped immensely. It was, um, you know, obviously a learning experience on my part and then, you know, Cash is a new puppy and he's learning all this stuff too. So absolutely. And, and, so, yeah, and, just, and it sounds like, again, with you kind of hanging around and her, her father years prior, like, did you kind of already a little bit know like what you were maybe looking for in a dog or was it kind of just like, I, I like this one. He seems confident. Or did you have any kind of prior, prior knowledge and like, 
picking out a bird dog or, or what was that like? I don't think that I would say it was like a deep seated knowledge on what I was looking for, but I definitely had noticed, you know, that a lot of those puppies that were in the eight week litter, you know, were just a little bit more, I don't, I don't want to say clingy, but, um, you know, they call it kind of all stuck together sure. and then, you know, Cash was already around the back of the barn, yeah, chasing a chasing a butterfly <laughs> nice. or chasing a bug. <laughs> He's like, "Let's move, let's go." Yeah. <laughs> so it was just really neat to you know see that there were ten, eleven puppies that you know all displayed different traits, and and he just was the one that I had noticed the most, and um, that's who came home with me. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. Well, well, it's probably obvious. Kind of my next question is going to be, you know, okay. So you, now you have this new, new bird dog. It's your, your first bird dog. Like you're like, okay, what do I do next? Like walk me through, like, what was that first year like for you, uh, and cash and having a, a new bird dog? Am I allowed to curse? On Absolutely. Here? <laughs> <laughs> it was a flaming hot shit show. <laughs> <laughs> oh no um well i guess it probably wasn't that bad but <laughs> but it felt like it in the, the time probably right yeah it's just the you know it's super intimidating especially uh, even with the guidance i feel like your your guidance and your training sessions that you go to learn from you know, might be once or twice a week, or maybe not even that. It might just be a once a week thing. And then you go home and you're like, holy crap, like what, <laughs> how, how do I set this yeah. dog up for success? This high energy sure. puppy, um, you know, existing in my home. And it really wasn't until a few years later that I really got down to the training of having him be manageable mm. in the house. He wasn't bad. I don't want to give him a bad sure. rap. Um, but because I had had a dog previous, oh, at the time, I guess I forgot to mention this. I had this uh, rescue Jack Russell that was like the best dog I could have ever had. No discipline, no yeah. training. He was one of those dogs just that you out could of the just, box, like, yeah, a well, well mannered dog and. Yeah, That's so awesome. I I went from this uh, little angel baby to this. Uh, You're like, what are shark you? <laughs> shark toothed, <laughs> uh, high energy maniac. Which I I knew what I was kind of getting into, sure. but you know, at the time, you're just like, whoa. Uh, probably like a deer in the headlights. You're like, okay, wait, is this what's oh, really yeah. like? <laughs> <laughs> and you would have never known it. Like you know, right now he. I, when I had him at Pheasant Fest, he was laying down in booths and walking, <laughs> I, th I think I saw a walking. picture you posted. He was just chilling by one of the, one of the booths. I'm like, wow, that's a yeah. chill dog. <laughs> oh, he was at the um, BPRO. Uh, oh, yes, 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 yes. He was just chilling there. That's right. Or the B-Pro Pro, kennel yeah. booth. I was and sorry. I was like in my head. I'm like, what does that spell? <laughs> B-P-R-O. What's that spell? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, oh, we were talking, we sat and talked to one of the guys, super nice guy, yeah. and Cash just decided he was just going to lay down, and he laid there for about 20 minutes while we were talking. That is hilarious. <laughs> my my Britneys would never do that. <laughs> they were like, let's go, pulling this way, pulling that way. It'd drive me nuts. <sighs> yeah, so like I said, it's, it's, it's definitely been over the past six or five and a half years have just been, and it never stops. It really doesn't, you know, you're constantly, 
you know, adjusting to situations and, and learning new things. But, um, yeah, that initial year was just like, it was mind blowing it. It, I think I probably underestimated, you know, obviously the work and whatnot that goes into it, but it was definitely a a pivotal moment. That first year, did you focus a lot on, like any, like, was it more just house, housebreaking at that point for you? Or when did the kind of the bird intro, gun intro, like maybe quote more formal bird training, bird dog training, did that come a couple years later or was that, were you trying to work on that in the first year? Uh, it was right off the bat. Okay. So you were ready to go. You're um, like, all right, let's go, buddy. Yeah. I, um, I remember cash being on, uh, like stakeouts with 10 other dogs, uh, you know, out at Joe's house, um, you know, he's, he's got a full kennel of dogs behind us. You know, they've got dogs lined up at the edge of the field, you know, while people are running braces, like training braces, um, or even individual work. And it, it was just a lot of, because I lived, um, more in the city. So the town that I come from, isn't very big at all, but I was definitely living in a place where the houses were close together. And I just remember working with bumpers a lot, working, <laughs> working with wax scent. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the <laughs> and, little chapstick uh, tube. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or like the deodorant. Package. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We've all, all been there. <laughs> yeah. I, I was definitely trying everything that I could living where I lived, you know, just to discover what worked for sure. us and well, it's all it's I all new at that point so it's all it's all yeah. you're like okay is this what i'm supposed to do am i supposed to do this or that or <laughs> yeah you definitely find out what works and what doesn't work and every dog and every trainer is different um but it was it was very interesting <laughs> <laughs> i bet i bet <laughs> knowing what i know now <laughs> oh yeah because okay because you learn develop which i want to ask you that in, in one second kind of more about what you've learned over the last you know couple seasons maybe but i just thought of on the fly I don't do this typically. I kind of stick to my my questions I write out. But on the fly, I came up with a new one. And I might ask this to every person now on the podcast. Um, can you walk me through, like, what was, do you remember the first hunt that you had with your dog? And, and what was that like? Like the first, let, let's say, let, let's say your first uh, wild bird hunt specifically. Like, do you remember what that, that experience was like with, uh, with Cash? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be fun. It's a new segment. <laughs> oh, wow. This is, well, I should say that Ohio actually does get a pretty decent, uh, woodcock migration. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I've, heard I that. I've heard that from some other people as well. Woodcock will come through there and. Yeah. And it's, it's great training opportunities. Um, I will say this though, when, when we really got to our first season, I was not confident behind the gun at all. Mm. Um, I was really mainly just taking cash out and just trying to get him on some type of bird. And, you know, obviously we have released pheasants all over Ohio. I know that there's a very small, um, maybe a couple of areas of, you know, wild pheasant that can sustain. Um, but we really relied on, uh, released bird programs, sure. you know, in our wildlife management areas. But if you really want to know, <laughs> I do, I'm, I'm so curious. <laughs> if you really want to know. Uh, <laughs> so when I, when I started finding other women who were hunting behind dogs, a lot of them were 
here in North Dakota, um, you know, as part of like North Dakota PF, uh, Pheasants Forever. And one of the um, girls who lives out here in the western portion of the state, um, Emily Spallier, she invited me to come out and hunt North Dakota. And she, you know, extended the invitation. I stayed with her for a week. And that was also a flaming shit show. Um, (laughs) New experience. (laughs) (laughs) Which I I think I probably um, overhyped myself thinking like, oh, this is going to be great. (laughs) And while I hold that experience near and dear to my heart, it humbled the (laughs) hell out of me. And Um, and was this this Cash's kind of first big boy bird hunt? Yes. So, so that was like our, our, our first flagship trip out to North Dakota. Um, Me coming out there and being new to the weather, the weather was awful. Mm. It was in the negative temps. Um, when we did get to go out, Cash was so sick. Oh no! Not to get um, TMI here, but real, but real sick. It, 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 I mean, it, it, it wasn't that he was like deathly, like sure. on death's door, but there was just something not right. Sure. And later, to come and find out, he was actually displaying some early symptoms of Lyme disease. Oh. Um, so he was not feeling well during that trip and I myself shot zero birds. (laughs) Did you get to shoot at birds and just missed or didn't fire a lot? Um, I shot, I'm pretty sure I shot twice, (laughs) missed two roosters. The ratio is not that bad then if you only shot twice. (laughs) I mean, it's not that bad. (laughs) <laughs> the lesser the number, the less it hurts. Right, right, right. I'm trying to help you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but on one of our last days, um, Emily actually did come out with us um, where it was actually pretty mild to walk. We were walking in sweatshirts and Cash pointed a rooster for her and she ended up bringing it down. Oh, so cool. I was at least really happy for that. Um, but I drove home and it was a painful ride oh, home. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure. That was a 22-hour drive. Yeah, that's a hike. Yeah, blank stare out of the windshield. (laughs) You're like, how much longer? (laughs) Yeah, I actually felt... There was a 50-50 thing going on inside of my brain where I felt awful, but I almost wanted to go back for revenge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that that feeling of like, "This, this was terrible, and I'm mad, and I'm sad, and I'm whatever but let's do it again. Yeah. Like let's go out again. And sure enough, like I, I went out again last year and last year was an amazing year. So I feel like that sparked my, um, my fire to move out here yeah. for sure. Oh, I bet. Uh, yay. Cause look at that. You had a yeah rough time in North Dakota. <laughs> then look at that. You, you actually live there now. So <laughs> a redemption tour. Yes. There you go. <laughs> redemption. <laughs> redemption on those huns and sharpies for sure yeah um that is so cool um what uh 
you know, so even think about la- like last season, season before, whatever it might be. Like, what are what are some things that you learned or, or took away that, um, or maybe things you've been learning along the way of your upland journey so far? Um, again, I know we're always um, learning new things and growing and you know understanding our dogs better. But for you, you know, what has it been like the last year or so? Um, you know, in your in your development as an upland hunter, having your own bird dog, like what are some some key things that maybe that you have have learned? You know, so growing up in Ohio and, you know, just some of the opportunities that I feel like we lacked as far as upland hunting, when we got to a new state, my hard work that I felt like I was doing back home in Ohio was not even a drop in the bucket mm. in, in somewhere in like Nebraska or North Dakota. And, and you're, you're talking like about like the big- effort you have, you have to put in. Yeah. Yeah, So, um, you know, obviously scouting is almost non-existent for pheasants is because they're dropping them out of the, yeah, out of the back of a, (laughs) back of a, a box truck. Yeah. So, so you know where they're going to be, you know, that, you know, you've got this area that is, you know, sometimes pretty small, um, as far as walking and, you know that you have a good chance of finding birds there, but you know, out in a place like Nebraska or North Dakota, you know, you're just going to some publicly listed places and you're kind of crossing your fingers that like the habitat looks great. Um, that when you walk it, that birds are going to be there at that time of the day. And, um, so I, I feel like, um, the effort that, was required of you back home. Um, you know, you feel like you're doing a, a full, full day's work and, yeah. and really you are like when, when that's what you grow up with and that's sure. what you're used to. Um, you know, it, it feels like a full day's work. And then, you know, out here you're wasting a half. Well, I don't want to say wasting cause it's definitely not wasting. Sure, sure. Um, but you're burning through, you know, a half a tank of gas. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're, time, either time off work, gas, money, yeah. your time. I mean, it's it's a commitment to go out for no guarantee. You know, and I'm, yeah. I'm not saying preserved birds are a guarantee or released birds are a guarantee either. I'm not saying that's that's a oh well, we know for sure we're going to shoot birds. I'm not saying that because um, there's days you go to a preserve maybe and you don't find any birds. Um, yeah. But yeah, like you're going out there, like you said, public land. Like it's it's more more chance of you know you could come up empty or birds just aren't there that day i mean it's a lot of variables yeah it's a sun up to sundown um thing sometimes yeah. i mean it's uh so i de- i know that something that i learned just from moving between different regions is that uh like you really just have to get out of your comfort zone like you you might be comfortable in your region for how you scout and how you hunt and when you get out to a new place it's a different type of effort it's a different type of like uh planning and you know obviously like you could just walk and walk and walk Um, and like you said, sometimes not see anything and we've definitely had those days but you know sometimes you know you're knees are killing you your ankles are killing you and like you just sometimes can't help but keep going and getting out of that comfort zone is something that i think came as a hard lesson Mm. to me 
I feel like there were times where I probably cheated myself and cheated cash out of birds because I was like, whoa, like, oh my gosh, we've walked. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We've walked 10,000 steps. Like maybe we should head back to the car or definitely doubting myself on, oh, well, we haven't seen or heard anything in this amount of time. And so I'm just going to give up on it. Which I, I have said that to myself. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, and, I have too. Absolutely. And I think that's, yeah. that the, and this is maybe stating the obvious, but like the, the um, experience of the unknown and the experience of, well, this, this is no guarantee. And we're going to like that, the daunting task of that, of going out somewhere new, walking a lot of miles, spending a whole day out there. That's the driver, I think for some people. And I know this for me a little bit. It's like the excitement I get from a, a new area even or a pu- new public land hunt I'm, I'm going on is there's so much adrenaline and excitement because there's this risk of this could this could suck i mean this we might not find any birds who knows how this is going to mm-hmm. go like but i think that's kind of the driver sometimes of like the, part of the adventure you know yeah it definitely it it's very exciting because you really don't know what you're going to run into i mean there's a lot of seasons over here that overlap, you know, small game, sure. um, waterfowl, and especially, um, you know, like puddle jumping for ducks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's happened to us twice this year, sure. which I wasn't really even expecting. But when the opportunity presented itself, yeah. I was like, this is great. Sure. Like, <laughs> I have a nice, nice little mixed bag. Right, right. And- there you go. <laughs> Couple couple mm-hmm. ducks in the back of the vest, couple you know what yeah, sharpies, yeah. whatever it might be. <laughs> um, when you were in Nebraska, did you find yourself chasing more grouse, pheasants, quail? Were you kind of just trying everything? Um, so we actually were not there when um, quail was open. Okay, so you weren't you weren't in Nebraska very long then, right? Uh, no. So I was there from about the end of June, right up until the 1st of October. I left the 1st of October and drove through South Dakota and, you know, got to North, but, uh, yeah. So prairie chickens were our, uh, central focus when we were there and we, for my job up there, because I was driving around so much, I had great scouting opportunities during the day. So not only was, you know, I driving from site to site, but Onyx was running over time. Like it was overheating. <laughs> yeah. Your phone gets like super warm. It's like, oh, it's processing. Yeah, so that was, on, that was on constantly. Um, but really though, we, we did find Bob White. Um, I actually only saw, I saw one pheasant okay. out there, um, which was kind of surprising. But in the area that we were in, I had my eyes on um sharp tail prairie chickens huns whoa 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 say and what? <laughs> yeah really yep, yep. i did okay. um so i actually got permission to hunt on that on the piece of property where we saw huns but they weren't in season okay. when we were there Dang. um yeah Very so that cool. was that was pretty fun i, I bet it was only Wait, wait, really interesting. Way to um, way to uh, maximize your time. You know, driving around f- for work, obviously, and <laughs> scouting a little bit at the same time. I mean, kudos, yeah, kudos that, to that. Uh, making making the hourly wage and scouting yeah. for <laughs> <laughs> scouting might be more important. Even <laughs> that, that'll that'll pay you back for years to come. <laughs> 
And that's that's kind of the fun thing about working like a a field job is that you you're really experiencing a lot of the wildlife um, like flora and fauna across whatever type of landscape that you're working on. And it's I oh, my gosh, I enjoy it so much. I can't even I would never go back to working at a hospital ever again. (laughs) You're like, I'm done. Been there, done that. I'm I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'd rather be scouting for, uh, for birds during my, uh, air quotes lunch break. (laughs) 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 Um, did you get to, uh, did you get to hunt any, uh, any other States last season or any new species that you, uh, that you were chasing last year? Yeah. So, uh, like I said, last year when we were in Nebraska, we got our first prairie chicken, um, I hunted in Kansas and Montana okay. and, you know, obviously when we came up here, we started our, the rest of our season here up North. Nice. Way to go. Way to go. Yeah. Um, so I, you, you kind of referenced a little bit, uh, Emily, how you say her last name? Spo- spoiler? Spoiler. 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 Okay. I, I, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard looking at myself in the camera saying this. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, You'll have to. I look so dumb. Emily, I'm so sorry if I butchered your last name. Um, have you gotten involved with uh, the Women on the Wing uh, group through Pheasants Forever? So when I moved up here, I haven't gotten a chance to actually get hands-on with um, anything that they're they're doing here. Okay. However, I, I actually just attended a really, really neat webinar um, through them last night. Um, it was called women habitat and hunting dogs. And we just kind of, yeah, I mean, they went through, um, we had some, you know, really great presenters, um, you know, just kind of introducing themselves and, um, you know, just kind of like making that connection through, uh, habitat conservation and their dogs and kind of really just what brought them together to that central point. Yeah. Oh, that's super cool. Um, And then, you know, have they, with that group, have they done like different like hunts and, and meetups and stuff like that? Do you know? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I know that they did one at the end of the year, um, maybe sometime in November. Okay. Um, and I couldn't tell you, and I apologize. I couldn't tell you how often that they do it sure. throughout the season, but I know, um, they did do one in November. That's awesome. Um, and had some, had some ladies with them, but, uh, and like I said, that's actually what, kind of led me to discovering all of these other lady hunters who hunt behind dogs. It was, was through, uh, presence forever initially, and then finding out about North Dakota PF and, you know, just all of the women who not only live here in this state, but who are all across the country that, you know, back in Ohio, I had not a clue about. Right. So I was kind of a, you're able to you know, meet more, more women hunters and people who are, who are out there that you maybe, yeah, maybe never have would have connected with. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, social media can kind of be ugh, sometimes, <laughs> double, but. Edge, double edged sword, <laughs> <laughs> but, but really though, it's, it's really, um, developed and cultivated some great friendships for me. And I, I could not be more happier for, for that. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Um, uh, I'm just going to ask you this as as well. I mean, being a a female upland hunter, like, is it, is it, is it hard? Is it, are there hurdles you have to like face or 
I mean, are you going out by yourself a lot? Are you hunting with groups of people, other women? Like, what is that like for you? Um, so I know in, in the beginning, just because having my own dog kind of changed the way that I viewed hunting as a whole, I really didn't, when I was introduced to bird dogs, I was really only introduced to bird dogs through field trials. And I didn't really get to experience, um, hunting in itself until I started going out Mm. and, and going to, you know, some of these release sites. Um, but I I would say when I kind of first got started, it, there was definitely an intimidation factor because, you know, you, depending on your situation or, you know, my situation in, in this instance was I was surrounded by people who were so knowledgeable um, you know, who had been doing this for 20, 30, 40 years. And here I was with a dog that I don't even think that I checked his pedigree all that well <laughs> and just went to go, you know, pick up this puppy. Sure. And I just thought, all right, well, we're going to do this. This is what we're going to start doing. And I can guarantee you that a lot of people would be like, that's the complete wrong way Mm. to approach that situation. Um, So I know that there were times where I probably limited myself because the intimidation that I felt, I held myself back. Gotcha. Because of the, oh, well, these people are going to, whatever, judge judge me or kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I probably limited my my, uh, learning and my growth because of that, because I just felt so intimidated that I just decided, oh, well, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to go to training or I'm, I'm not going to go to this trial. (laughs) Um, and I, I know that now, like I, I recognize that now. Um, and then, you know, there were some times where I felt like, or I know that people didn't really take me seriously. Um, but you know, just through discovering training groups and, you know, discovering different styles of training, I really ended up finding, you know, people that were for me. Mm. That's awesome. Cause I feel like any, yeah, any type of, um, any type of, uh, like hobby or lifestyle that you get yourself into, there are going to be people that are for you yeah. and they're are going to be people that aren't for you. And I'm, I'm sure men deal with that too. I mean, I, I can't speak for you guys, but, but but really it's, it's any type of, um, like I said, hobby or lifestyle that, that you you want to learn more about. Absolutely. I mean, I'll just, again, my own personal journey. Like I even felt intimidation being a, I was gosh, probably late twenties, got my first bird dog going to different, um, hunt clubs or trials and being around people groups. Like I felt an intimidation factor even there and or, or maybe some mm-hmm. judgment even. And so, um, again, that was my experience. And I'm, and I'm a, I'm a guy hanging around a bunch of other guys who've been doing this forever. And I was even, Oh, I'm not going to go today or I'm not going to ask this question cause I feel dumb or like all these things go through my head. And so I even think back kind of similar to like to you. I, I think I inhibited some of my own growth early on because I wouldn't ask the question and I would just, well, that's going to sound dumb. So I'm not going to say it because these guys all 
you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. So I'm just going to keep quiet. So I think there's a, a something that individually, like we all have to push past through a little bit out of, get out of our comfort zone a little bit and ask the question, be, put yourself in that group or, you know, those situations to, to learn. Yeah. So to answer your question, I, I feel like probably one of the biggest hurdles that I had were just finding like who, who worked for me, mm. like who, who worked with, um, you know, just kind of like being open to my questions, uh, being like, you know, gentle with advice or, you know, cause sometimes sure. it, 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 it can just be like, holy cow. I, it's just an overload of information. You know, you're, you're trying to find your place within sure. like your peers and you're also trying to find your place with like your, your training goals. Um, so it's, it's definitely just, uh, I think, like you said, personally, it's, it was just finding, uh, who, who was good for not only like the, the growth of, of my learning and how to, you know, do all the training and, and don't even get me started on learning about habitat. (laughs) And (laughs) that's a whole other hurdle in itself, but yeah, sure. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing. I am always curious just on again, new hunters in general, I think, um, man, woman doesn't, doesn't matter. I think there's all, there's going to be this learning curve and, um, yeah, yeah. There's some, some some things we have to push past in our out of out of our comfort zone, and I'm more of an introverted person oh, too. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. So it makes sense. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Um how uh how was Pheasant Fest? I think you're the first person I've talked to post Pheasant Fest. Uh, how how was it? You know, Pheasant Fest was great. Um, I something for me was meeting people face to face. Is because I have, I don't think that I've really known, um, you know, like a lot of these uh, companies or a lot of these people for very long. So, you know, I've not made it to other events where, you know, I can kind of see these people face to face, shake their hands, really, really get down to talking to them. Sure. So Pheasant Fest for me was great because I really just got to get to the core of a lot of people that I have admired from afar or admired across social media. Um, and that to me, well, because I kind of live in like a little remote town, (laughs) it was, it was very rejuvenating to actually, you know, really, um, you know, just socialize and, and just initially, um, just really get a grasp on a lot of who these people are. Um, so, and then apart from that, I mean, there were great seminars. I, I attended, um, a couple of seminars, um, that I was really excited, um, to see on the schedule. And then did you, did you go to the bird dog trauma, uh, event? I didn't. So that was actually going on. I actually spoke at pheasant fest. So I missed, I missed the, I missed the bird dog parade. And then I don't think I was, um, there in time for the trauma. I think it was was Seth, Seth, uh, Bynum, I think put that on. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. So I missed a couple of things, but overall it was a great experience. Um, you know, like I said, there were so many neat booths, you know, uh, Minnesota DNR, uh, had a great one. 
and you know obviously final rise guys were their booth was popping oh, it looks, all weekend. It looked awesome it, the, the buzz around <laughs> that looked so fun yeah there they were definitely some uh busy bees out there <laughs> that's awesome yeah that sounds like a great event i mean yeah i, I definitely got to get out to uh get out to a pheasant fest someday but um it looked awesome from obviously social media and, and it sounds like a just an awesome event yeah, it it was great. It was um like I said, I taking away from it, you know, obviously was the people and then um great, great educational seminars yeah, for sure. That's so cool. I love that. Um well as, as we kind of start to wrap uh, a couple things up here, um with uh with your dog Cash, I know not too long ago he went through kind of a, a pretty significant health scare for you, didn't he? Um can you kinda of catch us up on that and how's he doing and yeah, so um, for a couple of years now, Cash has had this, it, it almost looks like callus on his chest. Okay. And uh, aside from the bigger health scare, um, I had tried to get vets to tell me what this thing was. Mm. <laughs> um, because it, it honestly, it did grow uh, over a period of time and you know i told i was told oh it's it's an allergic reaction it's a callus um every vet that i had ever been to especially with me moving um had always told me something different and so uh, honestly like it was a pretty big growth sure. and when you say callus and it was like a like a bump under the skin but it was like getting like a like a like an actual callus wood like kind of rough yeah, okay. so it it was rough on the outside, and it it would hang like like loose okay, skin. Okay. So it wasn't really quite tucked up tight to his chest anymore. It was really hanging, and so I thought to myself, you know what? Um, once season is over, we'll look into getting it like fully removed and kind of like take care of it. Cause it would really get tore up in the field. Oh, it sure. was bad. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was doctoring it up before we would go out and then doing damage control after mm. we would come back. Um, but in the winter time here, he was laying on his side and I happened to look down and it looked like he had like a ball underneath that, like a little mm. bit smaller than a ping pong ball. On like, um, on or under the callus almost under that okay. yeah it was it was like under the callus so i got down on the ground and i was like palpating this lump and it was pretty significant and i was like that's i don't know it just some something just kind sure, of fell off didn't sit right yeah. with me um so he ended up going to the vet and they did a fine needle aspiration so they drew cells out of it and I ended up getting the call and they said, uh, we just want to let you know his test results came back. Um, it did test positive for cancer cells. Mm. And that, that was awful. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, he's been cut up in the field. He's been hit by a porcupine and, you know, your heart still sinks oh, yeah. with stuff like that. Absolutely. You know, obviously you don't want, want them to be in pain and you don't want them to suffer but that was just something i mean the wor I just, worst call I, you can get for your bird dog absolutely 
yeah, you know, you don't expect something like that. And especially because he's the age that he is. Yeah. He's, um, you said what, five? Yeah, he's okay. five. Um, so yeah, he, he went through the surgery. Um, they took some pretty good margins um, from outside that lump. And then they also went in and took all of that calloused skin and cut that okay. and sewed him up. So he had internal um, sutures and then also external sutures, which his external oof, was pretty significant. I guess I didn't really expect it to be that large, mm. but yeah, he, wow. um, he had his surgery uh, three weeks. Those sutures stayed in and he had some complications, which we worked through as best <laughs> that we could. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, he's, he's great now. It was great to see him, you know, finally be able to run and play and, and jump and be out in the snow and, oh, nice. and play with the puppy. So <laughs> that's awesome. And, um, and the can yeah. the cancer for him, it didn't, sp I mean, thankfully it didn't spread anywhere really. It was just really localized to that, that lump. Yeah. So it, what, what it was is like the notch within his rib cage, it was kind of hanging out like right there. Okay. Um, which is good. I mean, because there's some pretty vital organs that are, are right there. Right. And I was a little bit nervous that, um, you know, you never know. I mean, you could, you could feel that lump, but who knows like how bad it is and sure. if it, if it's spread. Yeah. Oh, I mean, what a scary, th I mean, obviously you, you live this. Yeah. What a scary phone call to get for your dog and just, okay, you know, what do we do now? And, um, that's, that had to be really, really hard. Yeah, definitely not something that you want to get on a, on a um, afternoon on a weekday no. and and think, oh well, I I don't know, maybe it's just you know part of this callus or whatnot. Because who who knows? I mean, I didn't know what was sure. going on underneath his skin, <laughs> totally, but totally. it was very very stressful. Oh, I, I can only imagine. Um, I mean, it sounds like the uh, the Upland community kind of kind of helped rally around a little bit and just you know kind of help support you through this time a little bit with you know undergoing, you know, I, I'm sure vet bills were astronomical for this. And, um, was that, what was that experience like? Just some of the Upland community kind of rallying around and just, um, helping, helping out in this time. It was, I, I will try not to cry about it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You, you can cuss and you can cry on this podcast. It's okay. Um, honestly, I, I was, I was so overwhelmed with the, like, outpouring of you know just people who reached out people who shared their stories um you know of their dogs who you know had survived um you know some pretty even worse than what cash went through some you know cancer stories um or illnesses and it it was a good type of overwhelming though it was something that i almost never expected and every time every time that someone would just even check in with us was it just really got to me yeah. um because uh, you know i've i've seen it with other people as well you know if when someone's dog goes through something or if they have a dog that passes away there is there is such a warmth around um you know such an unfortunate situation sure. And there are people that really come together uh, and I just almost can't even put it into words mm. because uh, I was saying to a couple of people that, you know, 
we get to know these dogs over social media and we get to know, you know, the people who own them, who hunt with them. And when someone is going through a tough time like that and they're hurting and the dog is hurting, you almost hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, the the good part about social media, like you, like you just mentioned is like you get to know and you get invested in people's lives and their stories and their dogs. And yeah. Yeah. So it's um, like I said, I, I know that there are some people who, who have gone through, you know, similar situations of young dogs passing away or, you know, untimely passings and, and you, it's just so, it's such a wonderful thing to know that people care enough about a dog that they've never met. And it's, it's, it's fantastic. And I could never, ever thank anyone sufficiently or enough for that outpouring of love so that's so cool that's so cool i love oh yeah that's a beautiful thing when you see people come together like you said for a for a dog they don't even know um so i think that's a that's a cool thing that the uh upland community can uh, can do that and rally around so way to go everyone who uh who helped and supported you in that time so yes thank you very very cool um well ashley as we kind of uh, get ready to close this thing out um, i have a couple a uh, couple more questions i like to ask every guest and uh and we'll bring this thing home and uh i just want to thank you again for your time this has been uh it's been a lot of fun uh getting to know you more yeah, and, thank you so much for having me oh my gosh me. yeah and your story and just yeah i love uh i love just hearing people's stories of of why and how they got into upland hunting and and because everyone has a unique path and a unique way they got into it and so i think uh no story uh, is is the same so it's pretty cool yeah. Um, all right. So uh, closing question here is going to be uh, what advice, uh, what advice would you have for, uh, for a new upland hunter out there? Um, think about maybe someone heading into their first season uh, this coming fall, maybe someone's picking up uh, a new bird dog. Um, again, from, from your experiences and your time uh, behind dogs and in the field, like what's a piece of advice you would give someone? I think the one thing um, that I would probably take from, you know, what I've went through and just listening to what other people have gone through as well is definitely your comfort zone. You're going to have to push those limits. Um, you know, like I said, whether it's, you know, finding a group near you for training, um, finding a place that, you know, might train your dog for you. Uh, there's so many aspects, uh, with shooting and learning about habitat. And the great thing about that is, you know, there are now these, you know, virtual classes. If you can't find anything near you, there's some great virtual, uh, zoom type things on, you know, identifying habitat or, um, you know, like even, um, an organization like her upland has, uh, especially if you're a woman, um, has some great programs across the country. And, um, I, I almost feel like when I was starting out, I didn't, I don't know if there was stuff like that going on, but I know as, as long as, um, like my journey and into this style of hunting that there were more things like that offered. So, you know, if, if you feel nervous about, you know, going to a new training group, like just go and see what it's like. If it's not for you, um, there's, got to be something else that, you know, can be offered to you and, and definitely pushing through, uh, those moments of (laughs) uncomfortableness. (laughs) There you go. That's definitely a word. Uh, will, will definitely pay off in dividends for sure. I mean, it, it 
there's just so many things that can be offered. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's great advice out there for uh, for anyone listening. So thank you for that, Ashley. Um, all right. A yeah. couple uh, rapid fire questions and uh, we'll wrap this up. Um, so just kind of give me your off the cuff answer and uh, we'll go from there. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Here we go. First one uh, for you. What came first? The dog, the gun or the bird? The dog for sure. The dog came first. <laughs> that, that, that was the that was the hook. That's what got you in. It was. <laughs> no one can resist a cute dog. Yeah, I mean, that's right. Yeah, you went just looking for a dog or looking at a puppy. <laughs> and you got him now. Um, all right. What gun are you carrying into the field and why? Uh, so I actually have a uh, CZ Upland Ultralight. Um, I have an over under 20 gauge. And oh my gosh, I, I love that thing. It's beat. <laughs> and it's dented and chipped and probably rusty. I should probably maybe clean that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I chose that gun. I was using a uh, Mossberg Youth model, okay. and I hated it. Oh. Was that, was that, I was a, not a, was a that fan. pump? Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was heavy. Oh. Um, it was noisy, and so I, like I said, I I put. I drop this thing, it gets soggy and, and gross, but I really, really like that gun. That's awesome. Hey, as long as you like it, that's what matters. Yeah. Um, all right. Favorite uh, favorite breed of dog besides the ones you own. So no GSP. And what was that little little one you had? The rescue? Uh, she's she's an English cocker. An English cocker. <laughs> you cannot say English cocker and you can't say GSP. Okay. Um. I honestly would probably pick a setter. Um, okay. I think I think they're beautiful. I think they're they're hold on, handsome, hold on, handsome hold dogs. On, hold on, time out here, time out. Okay, all the setter people, uh, all the setter people are going to freak out if we don't define. Are you talking Gordon setter, English setter, red uh, setter, English setter, English? Okay, okay, English. Okay, so I want to make sure we're we're all tracking on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I did not specify. No, no. <laughs> no, someone would reach out and be like, "Well, what kind of setter?" <laughs> Oh, so in good old English setter. Okay. Yes. Okay. And, and, and sorry, finish saying why your why. Oh, um, I, I just think that they're such striking dogs. I mean, really they, I have seen so many setter English setters, um, across, you know, just people that I follow on social media and they're fantastic looking dogs. And I don't know that I have ever heard of one not being, you know, a really great bird dog. Mm. So That's awesome. I'm sure people will be messaging me, proving me wrong here. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Send all questions to Ashley. At... Please forward. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't email me. Um, all right. Couple, a couple more here. Uh, one, oh, I gotta, I gotta redo this question. I'll ask it anyways, but I, I get so many, I don't know. It's not a very clear question. So, so one piece of gear you would never hunt without, and, and I, I need to put parameters on it. You can't say the gun, you can't say the dog, um, and you can't say the GPS collar because that's like a, a given. So, so besides those three things, <laughs> one one piece of gear you'd never hunt without. So I'm really doing really bad at rapid fire because I feel like I should just be giving you a one word <laughs> no, no, answer. No, no, you're totally um, fine. You're totally fine. But I hunted for years with an ill-fitting vest. Okay. I I ordered a vest in a small, and it was not small enough to fit me. Mm. And I had terrible, terrible 
neck, shoulder, and back pain. <laughs> oh, geez, I can only, yeah. Do I sound like I'm 65? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can relate with you. I'm like mid-30s and my knees hurting me right now sitting at a desk. <laughs> so, so I get um, it. So really, I um, I spoke with a lady who had a final rise vest and I ordered that sucker and mm. I did all of my preseason scouting in it. I walked around with it a bunch. I was actually wearing it to not really even necessarily break it in, but just to get used to all of my adjustments and sure. stuff. When I was doing field work with cash, I would throw it in the back of my car and put it on and... I, f- I feel like, Matt, if you want to send any free gear my way for... Uh, send those two. <laughs> for giving everyone the plug. <laughs> um, but oh, really, gosh. though, I, I ordered I ordered a final rise, and it's, it's unparalleled. Mm. It's really, really just one of the best. I would agree, Ashley. <laughs> I would agree. And obviously, <laughs> Matt and Final Rise are a sponsor of the podcast. But yeah, I, I really love their gear. Their products, their quality, they are just really, really well thought out uh, pieces of gear. So, Matt, well done. Um, okay, we got two more here. Your go-to snack on a hunting trip. Ooh, um, so I actually make my own trail mix. Whoa, 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 whoa. I... Your own trail mix. Well, you getting all fancy. I'm not a fan <laughs> of raisins. <laughs> not many people are. I don't think. I don't think so. I don't like maybe, raisins Maybe Chris whatsoever. Majette is a big fan of raisins, I'm sure. <laughs> and I feel like anytime that you buy trail mix, there's raisins in there. And I don't want to be a wasteful person. So I go and buy honey, honey roasted peanuts. Good call. Craisins. A craisin? A cranberry, like a dried oh, okay, cranberry. Okay, but you don't like raisins, though. No, they're, pretty they're, si- gross, they're pretty similar, bro. though. A raisin and a cranberry, dried oh, no. cranberry. You sure about that? <laughs> they are pretty darn similar. I'm positive. <laughs> okay, it's, uh, to you each, will not catch to each me their own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so honey roasted peanuts, craisins, peanut butter chips, and dark chocolate chips, and I just oh, mix them up. Good call with the peanut butter chips. Yeah, Dang, that sounds good. Yep, I have to put that recipe in the uh, in the show notes here. <laughs> <laughs> Exclusive recipe. Exclusive. <laughs> this is a, a top secret. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that does sound good though. Okay, um, last one. Beverage of choice after a hunt. Ooh, um, so well, obviously water, so I don't die. Obvious, obvious. Okay, next. Re- re- rehydrate before the liquor. Um, <laughs> very wise, very wise. I honestly would love a mule. Any type of mule, mule I'm good okay. with. Like okay. a, a vodka mule. Uh, I, I don't know why. Yeah. They are like... That's a that's a very refreshing drink sounds, for me. Sounds refreshing. Dang, you're fancy. We got the the homemade gourmet trail mix. The the mule after us. <laughs> I went Dang. I went from 65 years old yeah. from the back pain, and now I aged myself 10 years, <laughs> saying I'm going to drink a mule. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it does sound very refreshing, though. I I, I would agree with you. <laughs> They're fantastic. I think I really like yeah. those. I mean, it's Friday already. I mean, we're close to. <laughs> close to the weekend so maybe it's maybe it's mule <laughs> mule time of night oh my goodness well ashley this has been a blast um thank you so much for uh, for coming on and again sharing your story and um love love getting to know you a little bit more and 
Um, I, I am really glad Cash is, is doing better and was able to, you know, get the, the lump removed and all that. So glad he's Yeah, me too. I, well. I really appreciate you having me on. This was really fun. Yeah, <laughs> this was a blast. <laughs> uh, my favorite part, of course, is, uh, is, is giving Majet a hard time. So everyone DM <laughs> at the hunting traveler on Instagram and just, just poke fun in them for me. It'd be great. Well, Ashley, um, this has been a blast again. Thanks for your time and uh, hope you have a great weekend. Yeah, thank you so much. You too. Absolutely. Bye-bye. All right, bye. And that is a wrap of episode 80 with Ashley Smith. Ashley, thank you so, so much. Um, that was a blast. Just getting to know you a little bit more. I know I've seen, uh, kind of followed along your story from afar, from from the old Instagram. Uh, but it was a lot of fun just kind of catching up with you a little bit more and uh, really hearing uh, you know, your journey into the uplands with, with your dog, Cash. And um, so I, I hope the listeners enjoyed it as much as I did. Hey guys, don't forget, if you have not already uh, left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts um, or Spotify, uh, that would be a huge help to the show. Uh, head over there, it takes a minute, tops, 45 seconds if you're a fast typer. Um, I would love for you to leave uh, leave a rating and review of the show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify, you can leave uh, just a, a simple star system over there. Uh, I don't think they have a written review system yet, uh, but that would mean a lot to me. Uh, it just really helps the show, um, the whole algorithms that... Apple Podcasts and Spotify have um, just really helps the show grow and get out there to more hunters and bird dog lovers just like you. So that'd be awesome. Um, But until next time, guys, have a uh, great rest of your week. Wish us luck. Gage and I are in a trial this weekend. Uh, Haven't done one in a while. So it's going to be... going to be interesting (laughs) but i'll let you guys know uh, next week how it goes and uh it should be a blast but until next time go put some miles on those boots and follow your favorite bird dog take care